Welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here with the whole three hours, of course, on Sirius XM Patriot. But we give you a segment and then uh, a guest. So we'll uh, talk to Alex Marlowe coming up in a little bit, who is having his fourth child here any moment now. Uh, it's amazing. So we talk about fatherhood and all that, which is great. Alex is a good man. Uh, so talk to him in a bit. But first, want to put a bow on yesterday's conversation with uh, Shannon in Missouri and about courage and different types of courage and how we are to live it and how when difficult things happen in life, the response we should have is good. show but in particular this one hour thank you shannon for calling in that was wonderful thank you for all the emails i received i don't have shannon's email i would have sent them all off to her but uh just some some fine compliments fine and and it's a funny thing that's never happened in my life but people send me and alex like, like we're CC'd or I'm C, I don't know who's, I think I'm probably CC'd. So it's Alex and then I'm CC'd and it's to both of us. I was like, oh, no one's ever sent an email to me and my boss. <laughs> like that, that's kind of weird. And then, so someone wrote, here, I think I have it. I'm sure I have it here. Um, the email title was Perspective on Breitbart News Daily. And I'm like, uh-oh. And, it, and it's, to, it's to Alex and me. I was like, oh, geez. Oh, man, this is going to be, don't send emails to my boss. And end up being super nice. I was like, oh, sure, thanks. <laughs> First instinct was, oh, geez. Um, anyway, thank you for that. Slater at Breitbart.com. Um, my, my follow-up thoughts on this. So we brought this up with Gorka yesterday. Uh, real quick, Shannon, um, she is driving to work from Missouri. She's driving to work, and uh, there's a they-them. And she's worried she's going to get fired because she refuses to, to, to lie. And uh, she's amazing. So I brought this up with Gorka. Like, what's your advice? Dr. Sebastian Gorka, what's your advice to Shannon? And he brought up this speech from Tucker Carlson. This was the uh, speech he gave the day before he got fired from Fox, but obviously didn't know he was going to get fired from Fox Series. The truth is contagious. Lying is, but the truth is as well. And the second you decide to tell the truth about something, you are filled with this. I don't want to get supernatural on you but you are filled with this power from somewhere else. Try it. Tell the truth about something. You feel it every day. The more you tell the truth, the stronger you become. That's completely real. It's measurable in the way that you feel. And of course, the opposite is also true. The more you lie, the weaker and more terrified you become. We all know that feeling. You lie about something and all of a sudden you're a prisoner of that lie. You are diminished by it. You are weak and afraid. Drug and alcohol use is the same way. It makes you weak and afraid. But you look around and you see these people and some of them really have paid a heavy price for telling the truth. And they are cast out of their groups, whatever those groups are, but they do it anyway. And I look on at those people with the deepest possible admiration I am paid to do that. I face no penalty. 
Someone came up to me like, you're so brave, really? I'm a talk show host. <laughs> it's like I can have any opinion I want. That's my job. That's why they pay me. Yeah, the funny thing is he got fired the next day. <laughs> but, uh, you know. But just like someone called in after Shannon and said, hey, other doors open. Other doors will open. They did for Tucker. And by the way, even if they don't, telling the truth is still good. Even if other doors don't open. This, this is a silly story. I shouldn't even share it. We were building a um, pergola in the backyard over the back patio. And uh, there's a couple guys, big heavy beams. And we cut this big beam. And there were like four of us on ladders trying to put the beam and try to get it right. And my brother-in-law goes, oh, no, oh, so, so it, it did. It fit perfect. No, no, yeah, yeah. So it fit perfect. And my friend goes, oh, God is good. Fit, oh, you know what I mean? When you, it just slides right in. It just per, oh, cut it perfect. Got it. Measured it right. Oh, it's just beautiful. And he, my friend said, God is good. And my brother-in-law goes, even if it didn't fit, God would still be. <laughs> even if we miss, miscut it. That's still, God's still good in the end there. So, <laughs> I <didn't> say, <laughs> same thing here. Uh, even if a door doesn't open, telling the truth, still good. All right, but here's the overall point. And this is what I was thinking about. Uh, this is what I thought of, this is what Dr. Corker thought of with uh, Shannon. But how about if you're a senior vice president at Citibank? I'm serious. At Citibank. And you're making, you know, $4 million a year. And you've got three kids in Bedford and two are in boarding school and one starting at Wesleyan next year. And like, you need this job, honestly. And your whole sector is kind of collapsing and you know that. There is no incentive whatsoever for you to tell the truth about anything. You just go into the little re-education meetings and you're like, yeah, diversity is our strength. That's exactly right. We need equity in the capital markets. Okay, all right. So if you're the one guy who refuses to say that, you are a hero in my opinion. And I know some of them. In fact, my job is to interview them. And I sit back and I look at these people and I give them more credit than I do people who display physical courage, which is often impulsive, by the way. And I'm not denigrating physical courage, which I deeply admire. But you interview people who do amazing things, you know, who rush into the proverbial burning building. And like every man is kind of trained from birth to fantasize about what he would do when the building catches fire and you hear a baby crying. And so you run inside. No one is trained to stand up in the middle of a DEI meeting at Citibank and say, this is nonsense. And the people who do that, oh, they have my deepest admiration. And so their example really gives me hope. It thrills me. I talk to them all day long, people like that. That's the first. There you go, that's Shannon. That's Shannon. So I, I can read a heroic war story. Or someone in power doing something very sacrificial but it's it's and those are good i shouldn't say but those are good and the story of the shannons in missouri the shannons all across the country doing something of great integrity where only she and her family know about it that's a beautiful thing i mentioned the uh this paul washer clip and if you google persecution or a great awakening it's three minutes paul washer persecution or a great awakening i didn't play it yesterday and i'm not going to play it here either and i was wondering why like I, I i was going to play it or i mentioned it and i was like i should just play it. it's three minutes whatever and i was like no nah. it, it felt I, I i felt like i shouldn't 
And then I was thinking even yesterday, I was like, should I play, should I play it? Or should I play it? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to. I think, and here's why. I think it's more powerful if you were to listen to it yourself. I've never said that about any clip ever. I've never been like, watch this on your own time. <laughs> but for some reason, I really feel like if, if you're inclined to watch it, you should watch it wherever you are. I don't know. I don't know why. Paul Washer, Persecution or a Great Awakening. Anyway, his point is the great martyrs of the past were not martyred for their deep and sincere faith. They weren't martyred and then held up as heroes by everyone else. Like, that doesn't make sense. They were martyred for being bigots. They were martyred for being enemies of the state. They were martyred for being child molesters. They were martyred for being cannibals. And they died lowly deaths. There were no heroic parades made in their honor. And there won't be for you either. Don't expect any praise for doing the right thing. Don't expect any accolades. Don't expect a pat on the back. Don't expect an attaboy. There's no attaboys. <laughs> you'll, you'll never get an attaboy. And I think this is important. As I said, why are you harping on this? I think it's important because if we think there will be attaboys, is attaboy a good term? <laughs> you would be on the attaboy. Should I use accolades or attaboys? I think attaboy is a funnier term. If you think there will be attaboys for doing the right thing, it's more likely we won't do the right thing until you see the attaboy right around the corner. Right? So you're, you're confronted with an option. You're like, okay, well, I know what the right thing is, but I'm supposed to get a parade for doing the right thing. And I don't see a parade coming. Where's, I don't hear the, I don't hear the marching band. Where, where's the attaboy? What? No, uh, no attaboy. Okay. Well, I'll just, I'll keep doing the wrong thing until the attaboy comes. And when, when the attaboy is within sight, then I'll do the right thing. Cause then I'll, I'll get the attaboy. There's no attaboy. It's not coming. There's no parade. You'll keep waiting and you'll never do the right thing. And far from there not being a parade, you're, you're, wait, you're waiting for a parade of attaboys around the corner. So I was, we were at the, uh, the Christmas parade. Gosh, I love Tennessee. Tennessee has... So when I was in San Diego, there, was, there, were, no, there were no parades. There were no, no parades. And there was no Christmas parade. And in Tennessee, they have like strawberry parades. <laughs> it's like, well, why is there a strawberry parade? Ah, this is the strawberry festival. But why do you have a strawberry festival? I don't know. I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> so there's like random parades. So I'm just envisioning the, where we were at the last parade. And, uh, you know, you, you hear the marching band come around the corner. So you're like waiting for the parade. You're waiting for the parade of attaboys for doing the right thing. Let's say, let's say you do it. Let's say you have the courage. You do the right thing. And you're like, oh, here comes the parade. Oh, I knew it. I knew there'd be a parade for me. I'm wonderful. I did the right thing. Come on, parade. Come carry me. Put me on the giant float. Have the music surround me. The marching band. I love a good John Philip Sousa in the morning. And the parade gets a little closer for you and you're all excited. It turns out it's not a parade. It's a mob. And they're coming to kill you. And you're like, oh, sorry, it's a bit dramatic. Um, <laughs> uh, not in the past. And I don't know why we'd think it'd be different any in the future. And you're like, oh, wait. 
I thought this was a parade. And they're like, yeah, it is for us to kill you. Or in the meantime, cancel you and try to ruin your life in a myriad of ways. And then you're like, let's say you, uh, you're like, okay, you, you uh, embrace your martyrdom. No one's going to make a movie about you. And, and that, you're with me, and that has to be okay. And that's something. I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how relevant that is right now. I don't know. But I've never thought of it before until Shannon. So, Shannon, if you're listening now on your 90-minute drive, uh, someone called in at the end of the show. So I don't know if this was if you called in in the beginning of your 90-minute drive or the end of your 90-minute drive. You may have missed it. Uh, but the very last caller, very last caller of the day, Mike from Michigan. He mentioned Jocko. Jocko Willink. You know Jocko? So tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of the first time I filled in on Breitbart News yet, which is bonkers. Just my, I, I, there's no way that can be true, but I, I'm told it is. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I can't believe it's been a year. It's been one year, and I don't think I've ever mentioned Jocko. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Jocko. I highly recommend, highly recommend his kids' book series, Way of the Warrior Kid. There's three of them, I believe. Maybe there's a fourth. I don't know. I know there's three. Uh, they're excellent. Excellent. If you have, um, so we probably started reading when we were four, maybe four years old. Jack's now seven, so he can read them himself. Um, so, so starting at four. They're so good. Uh, Mark and Uncle Jake are members of the family. We reference them often. Mark and Uncle Jake. Uh, so those are for kids, and he's got another book because good kids' books, especially new good kids' books, are few and far between. So if I find one, I I will read it multiple times, and I will tell you about it. Very very rare. Anyway, uh, he's got a, a, an adult book, a couple of adult books, but one of them is called Discipline Equals Freedom, and it's almost like a coffee table book. Uh, but he has a section in it called Good, which Mike from Michigan was speaking of, and. Uh, I just realized that that's one of my books that got burned up. All my books got burned up, but I haven't replaced it. So I don't have it on me, uh, but he made a little video about, about it. So here, here's the uh, good that Mike from Michigan was talking about. One of my direct subordinates, one of my guys that worked for me, he would, he would call me up or pull me aside with some major problem, some issue that was going on, and he'd say, boss, we got this and that and the other thing. And I'd look at him and I'd say, good. And finally, one day he was telling me about some issue that he was having, some problem. And he said, I already know what you're going to say. And I said, well, what am I going to say? He said, you're going to say good. He said, that's what you always say. When something is wrong and going bad, you always just look at me and say good. And I said, well, yeah. When things are going bad, there's going to be some good that's going to come from it didn't get the new high-speed gear we wanted good didn't get promoted good more time to get better oh mission got canceled good we can focus on our other one didn't get funded didn't get the job you wanted got injured sprained my ankle got tapped out good got beat good learned Unexpected problems, good. We have the opportunity to figure out a solution. 
That's it. When things are going bad, don't get all bummed out, don't get startled, don't get frustrated. If you can say the word good, guess what? It means you're still alive. It means you're still breathing. And if you're still breathing, well then hell, you still got some fight left in you. So get up, dust off, reload, recalibrate, re-engage go out on the attack. Finding a tutor for Sam. Uh, I'd kind of ruined the book. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I forgot to mention Jocko's in former Navy SEAL. That, that maybe would have set the tone a little better for why he talks like this. <laughs> so, um, but that's true. It's all true there. Uh, so he's got this book, again, that Discipline Equals Freedom book. It's just like short things like that. And he's just read from a couple of pages. Um, the one I think about all the time is not as insightful as that one. I don't even know why I'm sharing this one. Uh, but there's like, I, I, I like to read this every around new years, whenever I'm feeling soft and need to get re-energized because there's this one section about eating and eating good food. And I think this needs to be a conservative value, but I'll save that. Um, and he does this whole thing like, well, what if, He's like the whole thing about eating healthy food, eating good, real, real food. And then he does the whole thing like, well, what if, what if I'm in the airport and there's no good food to eat? And he says, don't eat. And I remember I read that. I was like, oh yeah. I guess I don't need to shove things in my mouth three times a day. <laughs> I could just like not eat for a few hours and you'll live. Anyway, that's nothing to do with anything. It's just like, like that, that tough love is what we need every once in a while and that attitude adjustment because life is all about that. If you're annoyed at doing the laundry, well, what a joy it is to have so many clothes. You don't want to cook dinner? How amazing it is that we get to eat healthy food and feed our family. We've been in a bit of a food rut lately. Like nothing sounds good. I don't want to cook anything. It's like, ugh. So kids are like, let's have tacos. I'm like, okay, great. So we'll tacos. But I've been so bored of tacos. So let's go, how can we kick up the tacos? So we kicked up the tacos a bit. And then uh, we liked, I, like, we've been trying, lately we've been putting the food on the table and like serving it from the table. I feel like that's just more intentional and deliberate. Uh, so we did that. And uh, there's, I just had this vision of Grace picking up the taco meat and, and spooning it on her plate i'm just like oh like that's awesome that's it we did it how amazing like this oh i gotta cook oh i wish someone would just tell me what is for dinner tonight like for, like for the rest of my life i just want somebody like here's what's for dinner but how amazing it is that, that like it's, we can eat food with our family that's great and like i don't want to clean the house well it's pretty great we have a place to sleep in it so it's all attitude it's all gratitude and perspective and attitude so uh, Shannon, Mike's point, I think, was that this could be a great opportunity to proclaim truth. This horrible thing is happening to you. This unfortunate thing, I should say, uh, or unplanned thing. And good. And it's these hard things that define us. There's no question about that either. The other day, maybe yesterday, I mentioned uh, The Boys on the Boat. Uh, I, I just came out, George Clooney movie, and I, I won't see it 
and I, I know this sound this sounds really jerky. I mean, uh, but the the book is so good. There's no way the movie can even touch it. And it's about the 1936 Olympic rowing team, but it's really about uh, these kids who are from University of Washington, 1936. So the eight guys who made up the, the crew team, they're all these like depression era lumberjacks <laughs> who like never even seen a boat and they, they get in the boat and they end up crushing the world. It's unbelievable. And I bought a younger version of it. I want to read it with my son uh, as well. So anyway, here's a quote from the book. Harmony, balance, and rhythm. They are the three things that stay with you your whole life. Without them, civilization is out of whack. He's talking about rowing. Harmony, balance, rhythm. He's talking about rowing, but these are, without them, civilization is out of whack. And that's why an oarsman, when he goes out in life, he can fight it. He can handle life. That's what he gets from rowing. All right, check out this sentence. And I won't, I won't say whether they won the Olympics or not. I want to give it away. Standing there, watching them. These boys from, these lumberjacks from Washington in Berlin. Watching, uh, watching them. It occurred to me that when Hitler watched Joe and the boys fight their way back from the rear of the field, he saw, but did not recognize, heralds of his doom. He could not have known that 100 of one that so you could not know one day hundreds of thousands of boys just like them boys who shared their essential natures decent and unassuming not privileged or favored by anything in particular just loyal committed and perseverant would return to germany dressed in olive drab hunting him down i love that line <laughs> that's so good uh, it's who we are in the difficult moments and the big decisions that define us. But here's what's tricky about that. The decisions that we make in those difficult moments are a reflection of who we are from the little moments. Ooh. And one thing I love so much about Shannon's call is, is, is Shannon's confidence. Shannon, Shannon has been preparing for this seemingly big decision her whole life with lots of little decisions. And then she'll make a big decision and it will be the right one. And there will be no parade. But it is still good. 866-95-PATRIOT. 866-95-PATRIOT. I was going to pivot into Jeffrey Epstein, but uh, we have a guest coming up next. Let me just make, can I make one Jeffrey Epstein point? And then we'll, I guess we'll table this to, I don't know, I guess we maybe do the end of the show. I don't really want to end on Jeffrey Epstein. I also don't want to start the week on Jeffrey Epstein. I really don't even want to talk about Jeffrey Epstein. Let me make one one humble request all right, with Jeffrey Epstein. Every taboo in this country has been eliminated. Every single one of them. They're all gone. Back in the day, a married couple on television couldn't sleep in the same bed. All right? you, you couldn't show Elvis below the hips. All right? You got the whole deal. Since then, not that long ago, every taboo has been destroyed. And you know all the examples. Drag queens stripping in front of children, okay? That used to be a taboo. That used to be something like we would never do, okay? And now it's all the time. Can, this is my one request. Can we please keep the pedophilia taboo? Can we hold fast to that one? That pedophilia is wrong as a culture? 
Can we can we not let go of that one? Because here's what I say. This here's here's one of my concerns with Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, and, and people talk about him. Oh, it's it's complicated. Oh, and, uh, you know, did he? They were on the plane, but did he? Did they do anything? Oh, you know, uh, he, David Copperfield was there, but was he there or did he leave or like who knows really? And it's a court document, and you can't really tell, and it's a bit of a muddled mess, you know. Uh, so my my worry is we take that sort of attitude. Did he kill himself? I don't know. We'll never know. It's a mystery. We take that whole attitude and then we apply that to pedophilia. And we're like, you know, 16, 17, 18. Man, what is it? You know, what even is consent is consent. Oh, love who you love. And it's all, you know, he asked first. And they go, well, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, we are, we are numb to everything. We've given up every taboo there is. We've ceded all ground in our culture. We're total, we're absolute depraved monsters in every way in our, in our culture. Can we please hang on to pedophilia as a wicked, wicked crime that you deserve to have your head cut off for? I will, I will, I will let, I will cede all of the ground. I will not let go of this one. And I want no moral, uh, we're numb to everything. We're numb to everything. Not please. Can we not be numb on this one? Well, maybe we shouldn't kill child molest. No, no, no. (laughs) Yes, we should like hard and fast on this. All right. Stay strong on this one. Okay. We just talked about moral courage. Let's let us all. Keep our moral courage. This is an easy one, people. This is a <laughs> low-hanging fruit here. But this is good. This is like, um, you know, if you're trying to get back in shape, we're not going to just go right to pull-ups. We're going to start with uh, some uh, push-ups on your knees. All right? We're going to do some simple. We're going to do an easy to build up our moral courage over time. And then we'll get to the hard stuff eventually. Let's just all stay strong that ped- pedophiles should I don't know if you want to kill him or jail for life. Like that's bad in every way. Don't give me any of this minor attracted people. Don't give me any of this nonsense. Don't give me the slap on the wrist with pedophiles. Oh, but they have to live their life on a registry. Uh, listen, they shouldn't even have a life to live. Right. Right. Like just I want hard on this one, hard and fast on this one. You with me? That's my Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> preliminary analysis. Cause I, I'm sensing a lot of, well, you know, is it even wrong? Really? Um. Welcome back to Breitbart News Daily. Always a pleasure to talk with the great Alex Marlowe. Very sad to say that Breitbart.com will be taking a week off next week. There will be no updates made to Breitbart.com because Alex Marlowe, the editor-in-chief, is taking a week vacation. Alex, how are you, sir? That's right. Yeah, that's what we call it. We call it the vacation. You, you know the <laughs> drill, Mike. It's going to be no work for me. I'm just going to be a, a Mai Tais. Never put orange in the Mai Tai. That's a total myth. It's disgusting. You don't need it. 
Um, and no, no, that, that's what I'm going to be flexing next week. That's it. Yeah. So, and, and so the website just stays dormant. It just stays dormant when I'm not there. It's kind of like grass in the winter sometimes. It just, <laughs> it's not dead. It's just not growing at all. Could you imagine if Breitbart.com went two hours without an update? You know, I have to say there may have been a time where that might have been the case. If I, I there are days, there are years in the 15 years I've been at Breitbart where I certainly worked 365 days. So there's no doubt there's been a couple where I did not take any days off, including weekends. Um, but uh, the, not so much anymore because we've built up the team. So things do move. The chains do move if I'm not present. I want. I, I guess there's something I want to say about that. That you, when we were having brisket the other day, you uh, you. you said something that changed our family. And I want to, I want to get to that in a second, but real quick back to your family. The reason I made that joke about a vacation in case people don't know is Alex Marlowe is about to become a, a father times four, uh, coming up here in just a few days, far from. A yeah. Vacation. It makes me More smile. Like camp. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. But, but, but thanks for bringing it up because I will say, I remember announcing the birth of my eldest son, master wow. Marlowe, um, on the radio and, having it be one of the absolute moments of your life just give you chills. So, yes, Marlo baby number four, uh, Duchess Marlo Jr., is scheduled for Monday. So uh, it'll be between now and Monday uh, The, the I will have a fourth baby, and that is just... You know, I, I we talk about it, you and I, whenever I'm on, or not whenever I'm on, but often. Um, but the uh, greatest thing in life is to have a big family, and it is... If you want to get to know me... Uh, it's and everyone can't because of the nature of just work and life and the fact that we're not all in the same room together all the time. Um, but you would get to know me more from my home life and family life than from my work life, which is public and people know what I do for work and I'm, I'm out there. And um, but really, who I am as a person is the the dad, soon to be four children, a husband, and my domestic life, and it's just something that is. I would never thought, have thought ten years ago that that I would be saying that it was. I was entirely a career oriented person, um, but now I'm not, and I'm a better person for that. And I would like to think I'm even better at my job because of that. Yes, oh, what a, what a, what an interesting truth that is. Um, before I knew you, uh, if you Google Alex Marlowe and you watch interviews that you've done. Um, one of the ones that pops up pretty high on the list is some interview you did with some guy. I don't even know him about fatherhood. It was like a fatherhood yeah. podcast. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like that's really interesting. You don't hear any other really conservative leader out there talking so joyfully about fatherhood. Do, do you remember that interview? You know the one I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, the, this is the uh, First Class Father podcast, uh, and um, the guy's name who does it, he's a really cool guy. What, what was it? What is it? Alec Lakes. Alec Lace. So um, it is a... Uh, can I share something else with the audience yeah. right now, Mike? The, because it, we're in the fatherhood kick. Um, you know what's happening right now in my studio slash office? Uh, I'm actually doing a camp out with Master Marlowe, Master yes. Marlowe Jr. So they're actually in the room with me. <laughs> Master Marlowe Jr. is out cold. I think Master Marlowe wants to get a little airtime, though. He's he's sitting in the dark watching me do this hit. I, I couldn't talk <laughs> them out of going back to their bed, but this was... Well, we, we, we did s'mores last night, which is... I don't know if the s'mores, if the s'more itself improves on the three ingredients in the s'more, 
Um, the, the, the graham crackers, the Hershey's chocolate, all those are underrated. And then the, then you melt this, the marshmallow, which is fun. And then you put them together, and it's just so-so. And uh, we did Wait, that. It's, it's so what? What's the word you said? So it's what? It's so-so. Like, it's not great. Like, oh, it's, thank you. You, you add them all together. They're three uh, good ingredients. You add them all together, and it's like, I think it gets slightly worse. And then we still do it. Wife and I got in a bit of a domestic pretty recently, actually, about the s'more. I am, I feel very strongly against the s'more. I, I, you're so so. I, I, yeah, I might be with you. I, I, I'm willing to go hard to the mat that this is something we should just stop. And, and, you know, restaurants now do it. They bring it to the table and make like a whole yeah. stick out of it. Oh, and no. I hate it. And, and my wife is all about memories and nostalgia. She's like hard on that stuff. So for her, it's the most delicious thing she's ever had in her life. And I'm like, mm. what are you talking about? There's no way it's delicious. Yeah, I um I might be with you. I might be with you and the the the, uh, the reason why I'm not quite there yet is because in my brain and I'm just doing math here. Uh, the honey made graham crackers are quite good considering how lame they look. Yes. I, and, I and, <laughs> and, and, and and the Hershey's chocolate is wildly underrated. It's just like the simple Hershey milk chocolate is really good considering it's in every single store in the entire world. It's in the hardware stores. It's in you know, gas stations. <laughs> like it's quite good considering all that. And then you take the marshmallow, which is really weird and from another planet. Let's face it. That's just a a. It, it's it's like the um uh you know the Taco Bell nacho cheese or yeah the, yeah yeah like, uh, inside of an Oreo. It's just all this like what is it like yeah. why are we doing this to ourselves? Yeah, but then grow? you melt it and it's fun and it tastes a little bit better melted. And then so you think so this together must be great. Like no, it's not. It's not that great. So yeah, I think but the, there's something that catches on fire. So I think that's why men kind of have gone along with it for a while. Yes, that's right. That's why I went along with it. Hundred yeah. percent. A little, a little pyro in your meal, I think, is always like yeah. a, like a very primal. But um, uh, Mrs. Doctor Marlowe is with uh, your wife. Uh, she 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 thinks they're great, and I was like, I don't great. Think no, you can't they're... talk to me about they're great. There's no way they're. And great. She'll, she'll never order one. Also, like in a million years, <laughs> she'll never be like, let's have some more. Like no. Um, way. On on your point about father, um, so been on this uh, kick of something Tucker said the other day that um, he said, give me your wife's texts. I want to find out what she thinks about you. And he had some line where he's like, I'm old enough to, to to realize that I just assess people based off the off their relationships. And if your wife doesn't love you or respect you, and if your kids don't respect you, and if your employees think you're horrible and you don't tip the waitress, I'm not your friend. Do you find truth to that way of thinking? Because yeah. his bigger picture point is um, it, we need to stop thinking about the people and start thinking of people, individual people with addresses and names and et cetera. Um, the... I, uh, I actually think Tucker is is pretty brilliant on this stuff, and he's been influential on me to some degree. Um, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm I'm close with Tucker, but uh, I can text him from time to time, and and um, he'll typically respond. And um, he in his speeches, I always like when he starts getting into the family stuff because he, I watched him give a speech many years ago. Um, where he said that we're that uh, have more kids than you can afford, and I was probably on kid one or kid two when I saw that. And uh, the joke for I've known Mrs. Doctor Marlowe now for almost twenty years uh, has been we won three and a half, so which meant we won three or maybe four, and yeah. you know, and that for sure was influential on pushing me mm. towards four versus three. 
um, and making the joke a not a joke and making it an actual you know life dilemma yes. that we figured okay, out. So in all seriousness, I was I was going to ask yeah. you too, what 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 did to four because four is was a conversation in the Slater yeah. family, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. So, so what was it for you? Um, well, what did I? Well, you know, um, uh, the, believe it or not, all the credit and save this for the record uh, goes to Duchess Marlowe. Um, she's, she's perfect. And it is, the, the, she was so easy, um, has been so easy. She's been so exquisite as a personality. And, um, the, 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 it is true that all kids are, all the kids are equal and you do love them the same, which is just, uh, you want to tell me there's no God and then explain that phenomenon to me. Yeah. The, all your kids are wildly different, and you love them literally exactly the same. It, it, it's impossible uh, without with some sort of divine uh, intervention in that regard. Um, but yeah, but Duchess Marlowe was just so, so easy, and um, I, we did take that as a sign from God that we should keep going. <laughs> that's not... I, 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 this, maybe this isn't a good time to... It's not, you know, it's not guaranteed the next one's easy. No, the next one might be absolutely agonizing, 100%. But we've already decided. So it's the, yes, exactly. So, and I just love, I love that we're going to, we're going to tell Duchess Marlowe Jr. her entire life. She's only here because of, because of Duchess. <laughs> um, the, and, and that is going to be a narrative. I can guarantee you that uh, will happen almost right away. And hopefully, um, hopefully. But, 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 but to your point, I do think that. You know, for me, and I, I say this to Mrs. Dr. Marlowe a lot, that um, having a nice relationship with her is um, the straw that stirs the drink in my life. And people in this audience know that because I talk about her enough, um, it, considering I try to keep her life private. Um, but it, it is, I could not get nearly as much done without a nice marriage. Um, uh, it, it's yeah. the, I don't want to be dating. It's too time consuming and too difficult. Um, and if I had a lot of domestic fighting, I'm, I'm too emotional. I'm very good at controlling my emotions, Mike, but naturally I have emotions. Um, I'm not a robot and I don't want to be thinking about that. I'm having fights with my wife. I'm not getting along with my wife. And, um, I've been blessed that with, I, I not no effort, but I would say minimal effort that, uh, that has not been a problem in my life. And that's, that makes everything possible to me. So yeah, that, yeah. Uh, I'm all in on it. Try to try to pair off as fast as you can and, uh, get into it for life. A marriage is for life and treat it that way. And if you do, then all the benefits in the world come from it. Yes. And have more, have more kids than you can afford. Um, so we had a caller yesterday, Shannon from Missouri. And I've, I've, I've heard a lot, a lot about this. I was thinking of playing it back because I was getting a lot of, a lot of email on it. Yeah. It was very interesting and unplanned, right? She called in. There, there was no, we weren't talking about anything related to this. Uh, and she even said a few times, like, I don't know why I'm calling. <laughs> uh, so she uh, is working and, and there's a they, them at her work and mm-hmm. she just can't do it. So it's less about the topic itself and more about uh, taking a stand and having the courage to take a stand and look yourself in the mirror and having a conviction. And I said, oh, but it's, you know, devil's advocate. Oh, it's not a big deal. It's just one little thing. Shannon, what's the big deal? And she's like, oh, well, then it's the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And she was going to do it. I mean, she was, she's going to proceed but she just felt like she needed to talk it out more it was really interesting um and then we played another tucker clip uh well because oh no i talked to uh, dr gorka about this and he said oh well, i was at the tucker speech at heritage and he said that the greatest courage that he sees is not the person running into the bu- the burning building although yes of course it's the person who stands up in the middle of the dei meeting and says this is nonsense i'm not taking <laughs> taking a part of this anymore and, no. and potentially give up your livelihood because of it. um what is your advice to people who are 
in a situation like this where uh, a stand might need to be made. Yeah, I would just say don't let your emotions get the best of you. And you can decide whether or not it's important to you, whether or not it's worth it. We only have one life and you don't want to put yourself in a position where if you cannot lose your job, then you need to be smart about it. And uh, don't feel like we all take every stand. I think one of the reasons why I've had longevity in my career in conservative activism and have not been um, disowned by you know most of my friends and neighbors, though of course I have, it's just not, not every day that it happens, um, is I try to choose my battles wisely. Um, but if you decide that you're in a situation where you cannot, you cannot abide, um, then just try to be as reasonable as possible. Because remember, you're the reasonable ones and you want that moral high ground. It's much easier to argue, particularly if you're not a professional arguer. If you're not a professional, uh, if you're not Mark Levin and you're not uh, world's best y- yeller at people, and even he, I don't know, <laughs> would approach it this way. But if you're not the best guy yelling at people in the world, um, then I, I would just recommend if you really got to take a stand, take it. But just do it from a point of science. Do it from a point of um, your faith, if that's an issue, if, if that is what's compelling you, and do it from a place of logic and reason, which is that we're, we're not going to do this. Um, we're not going to pretend that this individual is something they're not, and it, it goes against my values and it goes against truth and, and honesty. And truth matters the most in the world. There's nothing more important than truth. And uh, it's the Mike. Uh, let's connect to the parenting conversation. Uh, what quality would you want? I'm not saying there aren't a couple that might be equal, but what quality would you want in your children more than honesty, integrity? Yeah. And My wife says that's uh, the worst. She says she tells the kids lying is the worst thing you can do. That's what she yes, says. because it, it, it's slippery slope from there. Everything can go wrong from there. And so you start from the premise that you, that this lie which is a lie. I, I, I do not want to be a part of it and I cannot be a part of it. It's the, it's the, and if you come and if you say to people, you're asking me to lie and I will not do that, then it's very hard to debate that. So I would start from that premise. Yeah, that's really good. And my follow-up today was, um, don't expect anyone to throw you a parade when you stand up and do the right thing. Cause it won't. No, they'll, you'll get fired. Yes. And no, it's usually the opposite, unfortunately. Yeah, no, no the, the parade's a mob. Um, to go back to something you said earlier, the, uh, the, the, as we're having brisket, the thing you said that has changed uh, this year, it's kind of been moved into our New Year's resolutions, is because uh, I was asking about Breitbart and how you manage people and how you hire people and how you work with people and how you have this thing that carries on, like even as you'll be off next week, uh, sipping my ties and uh, Coco Locos uh, w- with the baby. Uh, like, how does it move on? And you, you just mentioned building a machine. So we're trying to do more of that in our house. We're trying to build a machine in our house with how this family of six operates. Um, but I don't know, if you just want to speak to that, like how, because how, someone brought up earlier, someone called in and said, man, Breitbart just has the right people. You've just hired the right people. Right. How does that happen? How do you do that? Well, you have to, personnel is policy. Uh, And if you don't have the right people, then it is like having the wrong, uh, everything is wrong. It doesn't work. Nothing in life works unless you have the right people. And so if you have any person in your life, even if maybe it's your house, maybe it's your 
work, maybe it's uh, whoever, maybe it's your personal trainer, whoever it is. If there's a person who's not getting the job done, um, that ends up taking up a huge amount of time, way more time than just about anything else. Uh, and so I learned this fairly early on that people who do well make everyone look good and people who do poorly uh, drain from everyone else's life. And so this was been the key and excuse me. Hey, gentlemen, let's be quiet here. You guys are on air. Just let you know. I'm going to continue the camp out here in this, <laughs> in this uh, uh, 69 degree air conditioned office that we're in. Um, but the the in, and so I've always treated Breitbart like that, that my biggest problem is when my rock stars and I won't mention all of them by name, many of them are regulars on the show. Um, but finding them and putting them in the position where they can do their best is what makes me look good. And when these people disappear, I look bad and I have to do way more work because <laughs> they're all better in their respective jobs than I would be. Um, and so learning that that doesn't just apply to work that applies to life is 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 crucial. You know, it's making sure your, your kid is the right teacher or the right tutors or if you're doing private coaches or to, uh, making sure it's a good private coach and all of this stuff. All of a sudden, you're a genius because you found if your kid's into figure skating or baseball or Kumon math, whatever it is, you get the right teacher, all of a sudden you're parent of the year. You get the wrong <laughs> teacher, you're just wasting each other's time all the time. Yeah, that's great. Um, let me play this clip for you here. Uh, sure. I thought of you with uh, James Lindsay's analysis of this. This is Kamala, of course, wearing a mask for some reason. Equality suggests often everybody should get the same thing. Well, that often assumes everybody started out in the same place, as opposed to equity, which is everyone should end up in the same place. And if you then understand not everybody started out in the same place, you understand some people need more. So we all end up in the same place. Okay, so James Lindsay said, uh, I'm once again asking you to stop believing that Kamala Harris is an idiot. She's a communist who hides how dangerous she is by sounding stupid. Her messaging is extremely effective at delivering communist ideology safely. And I thought of your Joe Biden analysis. Do you do you carry that over to Kamala as well? I, I don't. I love James Lindsay. He's absolutely one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, not only is he brilliant and a hard worker, but he's a terrific person. Um, but I, I don't agree with him there. I, I think Kamala is a stone cold idiot. And I, and I, um, <laughs> I, I, I researched her quite a bit. The original um, chapter on Kamala in Breaking Biden um, was... One of my absolute favorites, and it was about 12,000 words, which is about 20% of a typical book. And I, I cut it down like 5,000 words just because um, I, it became clear to me Biden's going to be the nominee. So I, I wanted to, more time on Biden. Um, no, but I, I don't think she's a communist. I don't think she knows anything. I think she's a social climber and is was relatively uh, moderate in California. I think she says the things. Uh, that I think she's a lot of what they accuse Joe of, of being. I think she's dumb and she says the things that it help her advance from career uh, the plateau to the next career plateau, uh, yes. the next echelon in her career. Um, but that is an absolutely communist statement. There's nothing non-communist about <laughs> that, that's saying everyone needs to end up in the same place. Um, but I will say, again, I try to always bring back the, one of my tricks try to bring back to bring it back to stuff we already talked about um, uh, completely anti-truth we will never have the equality of outcomes um, uh, unless it's all terrible outcomes and it's not gonna be all of us there's certainly gonna be the Kamala Harris's of the world who have failed in job after job and become one of the most powerful people on the planet um, and she got that way 
because she kisses the right donor butts and she is a BIPOC woman. Those are the only explanations of why she is where she is. She was not a good senator um, and she still got added to the ticket even though she's in a blue state and didn't help Biden get any votes and all of that is because of her inherited characteristics and her ability to make friends with people who already have way too much power in this country. Which is its own skill set, I suppose. It uh, is absolutely right. Harrison, Harrison Bergeron is the short story that needs to be read about Kamala's utopia of full equality. Um, the, you're totally right. And by the way, that's like a 20-minute read and uh, pretty life-changing. So when you yeah. read that? Uh, Donald Trump, uh, two-hour interview with uh, Matt Boyle and Mar-a-Lago. Pretty great. Um, anything, well, a lot, a lot of noteworthy, but what, what has stood out for you about that? And then my other big question is, at the beginning of this new year, uh, how, what, what are you anticipating and how do you think we and Breitbart.com should posture ourselves the, with the onslaught that is to come? Yeah, well, I was, um, it was the first time I'd got a chance to talk to President Trump in person for probably three or four years. Um, I think I've interviewed, I think it was the seventh time I've interviewed him. Um, but I think it was the last time I did it in person was in the Oval Office in 2019. So um, um, I didn't know what he was going to be like, but very jovial, um, very happy. And his fastball was humming. Um, it is really terrifically exciting to be in the room with him because almost nothing he says is literal uh, aside from almost he's like a poker player in that the only time he's playing in a straightforward manner um, a really good poker player. He's only playing straightforward as a sort of a bait and switch because you never assume he's playing in the straightforward banner. So it's all 40 chess. It's really incredible for someone who's a professional communicator, as I am, to try to keep up with what he's doing. And he was moving fast. He had quick answers. Um, and, you know, one thing is I was with him for over a couple hours. I, I probably asked him. Six or seven straightforward questions. I would say Boyle about the same, maybe a few more, but basically the same level. Uh, he never answered any of our questions on the nose like, directly. He wouldn't do it and refused to do it. Uh, he just kept giving us, uh, he, he would drag us into certain conversations. And it was hilarious because at one point, uh, Boyle just said flat out, are you going to answer that? And he just said, no, I'm not going to. Just, just, and, but he did it in a way that's so charming. You would think it'd be infuriating. No, it's not. It's a blast. It's super fun. And I love that because ultimately, I think to win the culture war, we've got to be fun. And we are fun. Uh, we're way more fun than the left now. The left are all joyless scolds, the type of people who think we're going to get equalities of outcome um, and, and that Kamala Harris and the government can just orchestrate it for us. So uh, I will say that to this audience, I was incredibly encouraged by his uh, youthfulness, yes, youthfulness in his 70s, that's here. And he was excellent on all of the ideas, immigration, um, the economy, uh, roasting EVs was hilarious. He had me uh, doubled over making fun of EVs. <laughs> um, he was just, he goes on this big rant about how terrible they all are and how China's really good at EVs and we're good at gasoline, so why are we so into EVs? And then he finally says, and they don't go very far. 
They just don't. They just don't go very far. And he's so right about this because EVs don't go far. Like they, 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 and I just thought that's so brilliant. Like, how come I've never thought of it that way? Yes, they don't go far. It's hilarious. Uh, and it's the and I have an anecdote in, in Breaking Biden about this one Ford EV truck that was going like 30 miles per charge. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, and then you got to charge it for 45 minutes. It's like, what? Like, that's what we're doing? We're going backwards, if that's the case. <laughs> that's great. Um, so I, I found it very encouraging. Uh, I, I will say, just for the sense of adding some balance to my praise, um, I was not thrilled at the answers about what's being done about election integrity. Um, he clearly takes it very seriously. It's on his mind constantly. It came up throughout. Um, but either he is, he was not sharing everything that is being done or there isn't a lot, isn't enough being done in my view, um, in terms of trying to solve some of the problems that swung 2020 for Biden. And I'm not just talking about illegal stuff, but I'm talking about all the cheap by mail, all the community organizing, all the lawfare, all the text manipulation, all this stuff that we talked about on this program for, since we were on just weekends. Um, I have no idea if any of that's getting addressed at a robust enough level. He assured me that it is, but he didn't give me a lot of specifics. And yeah. um, I, I will say that, that that was a clear negative. Um, but other than that, almost everything was positive, And it definitely made me excited for the year. There was a, a question or a concern, perhaps, of did he lose? Has he lost his step? He's 77. I, I would expect yeah. to lose my no, step no, at 77. No, not at all. And, and, and this is what I was checking on first. Um, and he's very perceptive on certain things. And I think he understands what needs to get done, hit the ground running. Um, and I think his messaging is sharp. It's sharp. He was coming up with ideas that I hadn't thought of that I thought were very good. Um, and all the Trumpisms are there. Like he was explaining to Sanctimonious and how he's, how he says, and you know, I have a shorter one. I call him to Sanctus. And I'm like, yes, yeah, we, we know that. We know you call him to Sanctus. <laughs> what? And I, all that stuff is still there. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun year. No, I can't wait. Uh, last question. I'll let you get back to the camp out. Um, what do you make? What are we to make of the, uh, it's the end of democracy talking point. Um, the end of democracy. Yeah. I, I from him. Uh, no, from the left being like, oh, if you vote for Trump, it'll be the end of democracy. Oh, yeah. So I liken this and let's see if he uses this because I said this to him. Um, I liken it to Russian collusion 2.0. Is it recall the Russian the Russia collusion hoax was crafted by the Clinton campaign because Clinton was very weak on Russia uh, and all of this all roads lead back to Breitbart. It's Peter Schweitzer's reporting that revealed that Hillary Clinton was presiding over the State Department when this intra-agency called CFIUS approved all of this sale of uh, our uranium to the Russians. At the exact same moment, the Clinton Foundation was getting nine figures in donations from Russians, and Bill Clinton was getting paid half a million dollars for a 45-minute speech in Russia. And all of it just looked terrible. And so what they did is they said, I know what we're going to do. We are going to cast this on a Trump. And we're going to say, he's a Russian stooge, even though there's absolutely no evidence of this. Uh, all of this is documented in Breaking the News, by the way, which is getting re-released, Mike, in two weeks. And I'm going to, we'll, we'll come back and talk about it after yep. my week off. Um, but that's very exciting for, for, for the new year. But that's what they did with the Russia collusion hoax. They're doing the same thing with democracy. They won't have a primary in Florida. They're kicking Trump off the ballot in multiple states. These people hate democracy. They hate the will of the people. They don't want the people to decide. They want the oligarchs to decide. And so what do they do? How can they pull that off? Well, what they do is they point the figure at us and at Trump 
in the conservative movement and say, we're the ones who don't like democracy. No, we're pro-democracy. And I want to encourage everyone in this audience who has heard me and others talk about populism um, to try to occasionally swap out the word populism this year uh, for the word democracy or pro-democratic because that that's what we are. We want the will of the people to decide the future of this country. We don't want the oligarchs to decide. And we're the ones who want there to be primaries. We're the ones who want the people to get to vote for whoever they want to vote for on the ballot. The left doesn't want to do that. They want to control their own primary and they want to control the general election. And um, I think that this is going to be one of the essential points we make between now and November. Let's get back to the camp out. Where's your head at for the next week, Alex? Um, well, totally baby mode. I got a lot of phone calls today and then, uh, then I'm, I'm going to check out. And the next time I check back in and then I'll have completed the set. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll be like, hey, wifey, what do you think about another one? She has uh, strong feelings <laughs> that the set is also complete. I, 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 th- I think we're going to retire after this one, but you never know if God has other plans for you. Yeah, that's right. The, Throw it out there. Uh, hey, give it, our best it, to the missus. Feels like it. Thank you, Mike. I always thank appreciate you, these, and, uh, these conversations, and thank you to this uh, terrific audience. Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief, Breitbart.com. American made I got American parts Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily and thanks for all the wonderful emails uh, Slater at Breitbart.com is my email Slater at Breitbart.com Slater Radio on Twitter uh, Monday we got a lot of uh, irons in the fire that hopefully can pull through but uh, I'm going to text Matt Boyle right now so we can get more details on his long conversation with Donald Trump as we talked to Alex about a minute ago um, so hopefully we can talk to him on Monday and uh, Peter Schweitzer we're trying to get as well because he did an amazing podcast on the drill down about gambling and, and addicting kids to gambling and how John Boehner is, <laughs> is involved, not involved, the, the guy doing it. So hopefully we can talk to him. If not Monday, we'll do next week as well. Hope you have a wonderful weekend.